This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Hello and thanks for downloading today's podcast on Thursday, September the 22nd. I'm Jamie Long. And first today, a dad from Brazil has had his tyres slashed and a car and two motorbikes stolen in what he says is a vendetta because they're foreigners. Our reporter Juliana has the details. What do we know? So the main reason why Marcelo moved to the UK in the first place was to give his family a safer life. They moved to Canterbury in 2020, where they were pretty content over there. But his job in Maidstone was making the commute a bit too overwhelming. So they decided to move closer to Maidstone, but unfortunately they couldn't find anything there. So that's why they ended up going to Medway, which at first was a great decision. They were really enjoying themselves. The schools that their children were going to were really good as well. But little did they know that their neighbors were going to start causing trouble to them. And that's when things started to take a turn. Well, it was after they moved to Chatham that they suffered from some quite horrific discrimination, didn't they? Marcelo and his family have been going through a series of discrimination ever since they moved to Chatham in January, going from regular verbal abuse by their neighbors, telling the family to go back to Brazil because they don't belong in this country, to more serious incidents of having a car and two motorbikes stolen as well from their home. They have made camp police aware, so officers are aware of everything that's happening. But Marcelo just doesn't understand why they're being targeted in such a way. He has already lost more than 8,000 pounds with all of this. Um, And he just wants to get things sorted as soon as possible because it's causing a lot of damage to his family financially and emotionally as well. Juliana, thank you. Next, today, the body of a man's been found after he was reported missing from East Peckham. Kevin Osborne had last been seen near to where he lived last Friday. The 59-year-old's family has been told. A Margate man who left his ex-girlfriend fearing for her life has been jailed for almost three years. Aaron Thornton trapped her inside cars, sent threatening messages and blackmailed her to get money. The 34-year-old from Hatfield Road admitted several charges, including assault and harassment. He's also been given a five-year restraining order. Now, the Kent Online podcast has been told 15% of the adult population in Kent, or more than one in 10, are binge drinking. Over 300,000 are also said to be consuming dangerous levels of alcohol. Men and women are urged not to regularly drink more than 14 units of alcohol a week. That's six pints of beer or around 10 small glasses of wine. Penny Williams is chief exec of the Kenwood Trust, which is a drug and alcohol rehabilitation centre. The increases really of people uh, presenting at A&E with alcohol issues was on the increase in uh, 2019, so pre-pandemic. And as you can imagine, there's been lots of reports on how people have um, increased their alcohol consumption in particular, but also we're seeing increase in use of drugs, particularly with the sort of uh, 16 to 25 year old group. Um, And so we get many calls um, from families and friends looking for advice and help on um, they've started to see people uh, maybe seeing them more because they're at home 
and how much consumption um, their, their alcohol consumption has increased. Do you think, although we saw it going up in 2019, do you think lockdown, the, the pandemic, the past couple of years, the stresses and strains of that and the fact we didn't have much to do over those two years, kind of, it made it worse a lot quicker? Or do you think we would have been in this position anyway? Um, I think it's, it's accelerated it. And again, um, there's been quite a few um, programmes and articles on the increase of of uh, use of um, substances during the pandemic. And I think particularly with the younger cohort, um, we saw an increase in uh, county lines. So yes, during that um, time of lockdowns, I think the pressure of being at home on your own, I think the pressure of um, just watching social media, all those things, particularly with young people, has increased um, their self-medication and looking at ways to escape. And as far as alcohol is concerned, with that number of people drinking at dangerous levels, you mentioned there the, the pressure that puts on the NHS, but does it also put pressure on organisations like yourself? Because presumably at some point you're going to get an increase in people coming to you for, for help. You say you, you're receiving more calls. Yeah, I mean, already we are receiving significantly more calls and our sector has been um, slashed in terms of its funding over the last 12 years, uh, there's half the number of rehab centres now in the UK than there were five years ago. And that's because the funding just hasn't been there. Um, we've survived, we've grown, um, we've developed our services to uh, meet people's needs. And, you know, we've been calling for extra funding for many years because we have um, move on homes as well. So it's not just about the rehab centre. It's then about providing safe homes for people as they continue their recovery journey. These 300,000 people who are said to be drinking at dangerous levels, I'm sure there's quite a few of them who don't think they have an alcohol problem. At what point does it get to, OK, I am an addict? And, and how difficult is that for people to say, I need to do something about how much I'm drinking? Because they might say, well, I'm having a couple of glasses of wine every night. It's not an issue for me. But obviously for their health, that is going to cause a problem if they're drinking over what the government or what the NHS says is a recommended level. Where does it kind of tip over into that I need help kind of stage? Yeah, well, I think it, the thing with addiction is it does creep up on you and you have um, functioning alcoholics, I think is a phrase that often is used. Um, and I think the tipping point often for people, it's a, you're right, so many people don't want to admit it. And often something has to happen. So that could be family members saying, no more, we, we can't live around this because we, we must remember that there is a, a, a ripple effect with any alcoholics, anyone that's addicted, that family and friends are deeply affected by their change in behaviour. Um, and so at what point um, it's very brave for anyone that actually says, yeah, enough is enough, I need to do something about this. It's often triggered also by health issues. So we, we treat a lot of people who have uh, liver function um, issues. And interestingly, liver disease is still on the increase in the UK, which we're one of the few countries uh, in Europe that still has that issue. Um, and a lot of that is based in, in alcohol. So often it's about someone recognizing and that will be because of an event um, it might be that they've lost their job they might have lost their home um, and that's when they often um, have to try rehab 
to actually fix their addiction and and get those um, support mechanisms to help them overcome it. Another interesting stat was the number of people binge drinking. I guess that's something we've heard about for a very long time, and it falls into a slightly different category, I suppose, but just as serious, really, as far as health implications, isn't it? Yeah, and I think binge drinking, you know, it's it's, it's been a thing in the UK for many, many years, um, and particularly probably with a 16 to 25-year-old age group, and that's the really tough age group you know there is in this country children's services but as soon as someone gets to 18 they have to move to adult services and that can take time to reconnect with that Um, you're then still dealing with people often that are still quite childlike in their mind but they're classed as adults and we get a lot of families calling us for help I think for me how I would like to Kenwood to develop their services is to look at that age group because they are really falling through the cracks of mental health services and the drug and alcohol services where they're not getting the right support that that particular cohort need. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. A man who tried to disguise £20,000 in cash as baguettes wrapped in foil has been made to give up the money after a court case. The 54-year-old from London was in a car that was stopped by Border Force officers at the Eurotunnel terminal in Folkestone in October 2020. Even more cash was found stashed in the vehicle and he's now been ordered to hand over more than 40000 after failing to prove why he had it. Two men have been arrested on suspicion of shoplifting in Thanet and Herne Bay. Police stopped a car on the Thanet Way and detained a 27-year-old from Dagenham and 29-year-old from Doncaster. Officers have been investigating after thousands of pounds of items were taken from stores since July. A ban on fracking has been lifted in the UK. The government says it's to improve the UK's energy security following Russia's war in Ukraine, which is the main driver behind lifting that ban. While some people aren't happy, Mark Hood is a Green Party councillor in Tunbridge. It's a real shame. I think one of the few things that Boris Johnson had got right was saying that there was going to be no U-turn on fracking. And this it's, it's unnecessary. It's a knee-jerk reaction. It's very disappointing. Where fracking has been undertaken in this country, it's caused huge problems. We've seen the tremors up in um, the northwest of England. We need to stop extracting fossil fuels from the ground. We need to stop opening up new oil fields. Uh, We need to stop extracting more coal. We rely on groundwater almost exclusively in East Kent. And if we start drilling down through the aquifers to get to the shale gas, we run the the unacceptable risk of polluting the aquifers. Once you've polluted the aquifers, you can't unpollute them. The Met's police have been told to make urgent improvements after a watchdog raised serious concerns about its performance. A damning report found Scotland Yard is failing in a number of areas, but they insist they're committed to tackling the problems. It's already in special measures following a series of appalling mistakes, including the murder of Sarah Everard by a serving officer from Kent. Now, it's World Car Free Day and schools, parents and teachers in Maidstone are being urged to join a project designed to improve air quality. It's called Pollution Patrol and is aimed at primary aged pupils. They're taught where air pollution comes from, how it can affect our health and what can be done to reduce it. Stuart Jeffrey is a Green Councillor in the town. 
We do need to do some quick fixes, but we also need to really, really examine the entirety of our society, where we work, where we shop, where we want to travel to, and and have a, a proper rethink about how we go about getting around. We do have to have a radical rethink of the way we travel, the way we work, where we work and where we shop. Um, because the one fundamental truism is that what we're doing at the moment is not sustainable. There is an expected reduction from 2019. It does look like the council is kind of using this as a bit of a it's all getting better, we're doing the right things type of message. And and I don't believe that we should be taking our, um, well, to use the most inappropriate metaphor possible, we shouldn't be taking our foot off the accelerator. Boots have launched their winter flu jab rollout. As experts predict, it'll hit earlier this season. Half a million appointments have already been booked. It's free for vulnerable adults, carers and anyone over 50. Meanwhile, the health secretary is already facing criticism about plans for GPs to see patients within two weeks before they've even been officially announced. Therese Coffey is promising to free up over a million appointments in England in a year. She wants to achieve it by hiring extra support staff and bringing in a new streamlined phone system, which will also get rid of the 8am rush of calls. Or Ashford GP, Dr Jack Jacobs, gave the Kent Online podcast his thoughts. I think um, the initial reaction is that, um, yeah, as I think other GPs have suggested, that, that setting an arbitrary target of two weeks doesn't really help resolve the issues. Like All GPs know that there are significant issues out there. You know, we are struggling to meet the demand uh, that is being put upon us at times, and this, despite us working very hard. And just to give you an example of that, we know that in June of this year alone, there were 800,000 GP uh, appointment contacts with surgeries in one month. That's 40% of the whole of the population of Kent and Medway equivalent in one month. So, you know, practices are busy, they're working hard, uh, and setting arbitrary targets to, to see everyone in two weeks is not necessarily, we feel, the way to resolve some of the issues. I think from uh, our point of view, particularly at the moment, when there's an awful lot of backlog in the system, a lot of that falls in our door. So when patients are waiting at hospitals or appointments, wherever it is, they will often ask us to chase things up. And that, I would estimate, is approximately about a fifth of my work at the moment. So without that, we would have more capacity Uh, And we think there are different ways of of approaching that. So, you know, if a patient is waiting on a waiting list for a scan result or uh, waiting for a procedure, they should be able to contact the hospital that they're waiting at and they should be able to support them, not necessarily go through us. So that's one thing I think we feel would would be helpful. Um, a, A lot of GPs as well feel that just focusing on numbers and access doesn't really address the big issue, which we feel is around continuity. Now, continuity we know is something that the patients value, that doctors value, and we would like that to be sort of prioritised as just, just a focus on access. Um, and then there's a whole huge amount of bureaucracy that we are literally snowed under with, whether we're talking about our own personal uh, validation as doctors, whether we're talking about CQC uh, regulations, all the hoops and uh, that we have to jump through, and all the other bureaucracy that we get that comes down the line to us, it all falls at our feet. Uh, and that has grown a lot in the last few years, and it has become more complex, and you know, we have to do it. So if we're doing that, we can't really be seeing patients at the same time. So they're the sort of things I think that we, we would look at helping support us. Kent Online Sports.
In football, Chelsea player Mason Mounts has made a surprise visit to a Kent football club. He posed for photos with fans at Faversham Town. You can see one of the pictures at Kent Online. And the new co-chairman of Gillingham says he's working with the club's owner to find an investor who can move the club forward. Paul Fisher took over the day-to-day running of things at Priestfield last month when Paul Scully announced he was stepping back. He's been answering questions from fans. Next question is from Liam Penfield who asks uh, to you directly, Paul, uh, we know you are a fan of the football club, but as a businessman, are you enjoying the role? Has it been more challenging than you thought it would be? And how does our budget compare to other teams in this division? Okay, right, that's... Uh, Sorry, that was three questions in one then. Yeah, Paul, three just... questions in one. Good, right, let me, let me start. Uh, am I a fan of the club? Yes. Uh, do I continue to be a fan of the club? Always. It's kind of... You know, cut me open. I've got probably GFC like a sticker what going through me. I'll always, I'll always be a fan of the club. Uh, I really want to turn a club around. We don't, you know, we've got to do better than we're doing at the moment as a club and as a football team. You know, all of you as the fans in the area, we all, we all deserve better than this. And rest assured, we're not. You know, I'm working bloody hard to make sure that that is the case. Uh, am I finding it more challenging? It's. Uh, I think it's a challenge. It's a challenging job, insofar as you know, with the limited resources you've got as a as a football club and the expectations, rightly, of the fans to deliver. Uh, do I think I can? Uh, do I think I can improve things? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and you you will be seeing some of those improvements over the uh, over the coming weeks. But you know, we are a football club and it all comes down to everything's a lot easier if uh, if the team's doing well on the pitch. So you know, there's a certain responsibility on the players here to do uh, to do better for us. Did I answer all three questions there? Let's go back, shall we? Um, how does our budget compare to other teams in, in the division? That's the same uh, same gentleman that's from... Lee. Yeah, yeah, no, I've looked into the, uh, I've looked into the budget issue because uh, obviously that was something uh, I wanted to have a look at. And our budget compares, you know, compares pretty favourably with with other teams. There's teams in this division with smaller playing budgets than us, and there's teams with significantly higher uh, playing budgets than than Gillingham. But our budget is you know, probably puts us in the uh, in the middle quartile of uh, of of League Two. It's it's a challenge. It is, it is a challenge for us, and uh, you know, let's those those clubs that have got benefactors who are putting money in. Uh, and subsidising the uh, the business as su- and their businesses as such does enable them to, you know, have a high higher playing budget than us. Would we like? Would I like? Would I like to be able to give Neil more money? Yes, I would. Uh, would I do that at the expense of jeopardising the future of the club? Absolutely not. You know, I, I just can't. Uh, I can't do that. It's the uh, long term future. of This club is everything to me. Um, yeah, and um, the next one is from uh, Justin. And he simply asked, have you been brought in to make the club sellable? Very good question. Very good question. I think, uh, you know, let, let's face it, uh, everything is uh, everything is a, is a sale, sale opportunity for someone. You know, Paul and I continue to have a number of meetings uh, almost weekly with people who are approaching us to buy, you know, to buy the football club or get involved with the football club. Uh, it's a uh, it's an ongoing it's a continuing ongoing process. I understand it has been for a number of years, and I guess it always will be if you're if you're running a football club. But uh, I, for one, I I'm, we do lots of due diligence on people. There's uh, there's lots of time wasters, 
uh, and there's lots of people who have uh, you know are, are worth a second or third meeting with and we continue to talk to uh, a number of people who may be looking to invest in the football club uh, or you know if Paul decides to, uh, to to sell his interest in the football club but that's very much you know that's Paul's decision it's not my decision all I can do is uh, all I can do is make sure the business is in the best possible shape for whatever strategy we choose to go down and whatever route we choose to go down in the future. Well, Gillingham make the long trip to Hartlepool this weekend in desperate need of a win in League Two as they sit just above the relegation zone. Well, that's all for today's podcast. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram for all of the latest news from across Kent. Plus, you can also subscribe to the ad-free premium version of Kent Online. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.